1: To a brand new podcast. It's called NBA Holes. This is a podcast about the NBA for people who don't know that is basketball. Um, I myself, my name is Joe Joe Connors, and I you could probably hear me on Legends Podcast AI. And my co-host of this, my um, partner in crime, uh, and again I always call him American because he is American, no matter what his accent sounds like. Don't let it be fooled, Mr. Dave Hendrick. How are you, my friend?
3: I'm good, mate. I'm all good. Um, yeah, feeling very American these days. Close. Yes. I'm close enough, I suppose. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, you are in Canada. Um, we're not sure where you're going from here. Unfortunately, it's a shame you you can't come to this country um, right now because our president, I guess, will not let you. And uh, it's very difficult, but one day, hopefully, you will be here. Um, anyway, Dave and I were going to start this uh, pod before the NBA draft. Um, and it's a damn good thing we didn't because we would have missed a shitload of stuff and the podcast would have been very outdated. So this is the first show. So I'm going to, me and me and Dave threw an agenda around. Um, it won't be a two hour thing. Don't worry people. Uh, but it will be fun if like NBA and it seems like we have an audience sort of already people asking us questions already before we even started, which is kind of nice. So if we're going to start with the first thing is the NBA draft recap. Instead of going through who want pick one, who want pick two. I wanna start with you, Dave, and you tell me your favorite picks, least favorite picks, and maybe who had, in your opinion, best draft, worst draft?
3: Sure. Um I think I mean the obvious favorite picks are the top two. Fultz is, is the best player in the draft. Right now, long term there's some question, maybe maybe Josh Jackson's the most talented, you know, project in the draft. Um I didn't really like Boston taking Jason Tatum over Josh Jackson, although recent developments do kinda hint as to why they did that, his ability to maybe step up and play the four um as a stretch four in the NBA rather than, you know, Jackson who's gonna be a two or a three. Um I really like Orlando taking Jonathan Isaac and it's it's very fitting for them, given the GM they now have. Um, And what he did when he was in Milwaukee, taking guys who are long athletic and stuff like that. and He's got maybe the highest upside of anybody in the draft, but he's also the one that is probably the most likely to bust. So it's a real pick. It's a real kind of, you know, throw the dice there f- from Orlando. But they needed to do it because, like, let's be honest, they've been run so poorly for the last few years. They had a GM who was out of his depth. They had poor coaching. I think now they've got a good GM. They've got Frank Vogel last year. I think they've got good coaching. They've got a whole bunch of young players there. And I think they have the bones of a team that could be very good in two years. Um, the thing is, they're going to need to be patient. And they're going to need to develop those players and not do anything stupid. Um I the, For me, the, the biggest loser in the draft is Miami. Because I wouldn't have taken Bam Adebayo at 14. For me, he was like a mid-20s pick. I think they, I think they really reached getting him, like the Wolves picked fourteenth or sorry sixteenth because of the trade. We got Justin Patton. I would much rather have Justin Patton than Bam, and I think Miami would have been better off taking taking Justin than taking Bam. So, for me, they're the big losers. Yeah, my, myself, um, I'm a big Sixers
1: fan. Philadelphia seventy Sixers. I am from the city, right outside the city, I should say. Uh, I love what they did. The the Celtics trade, and again, we're going to touch on that in a second and why that it only took one first-round pick to move up to, like Dave said, and I do agree with that. I think Fultz not only is the best player in the draft, but he's the best fit for the the 76ers team being what they have on their team now. So I love what they did. I love them getting Jonah Bolden where they did, who I think could be a really good player. Um, uh, I love what the Wolves did, and I know that's your team, and I'm not saying that just because of – what the Timberwolves did will get to that trade. Um, I really like Malik Monk at 11.
3: I think that's a great pick for Charlotte. And, uh, and, a-, and a steal at that point. Yeah, steal, no question. A steal at 11. That guy had top six or seven talents.
1: Yeah, he he's he's... I, I would I, I'll go out not really go out on a limb here, but he's the probably the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, and and to get him at eleven is a really good pickup. If that's all, see what people need to realize about the NBA now is this: this is not your dad's NBA. Um, shooting is really at an all-time premium, and you see that with teams like the Golden State Warriors. It's why one of the reasons why they're so good is because they can spread a floor and kill you in many ways. So getting him at eleven is is phenomenal. Um, Jonathan Isaac, I like that pick, too, because he could, like you said, he's incredibly talented. He could be a great pick. It's a really good fit with the magic. They need a lot. Um, so they could have went different ways, but grabbing him where they got him uh, is a really good pick. Josh Jackson was a guy, if the Sixers had stayed at three and not moved up to one, was a guy that I liked, except that he just needs to work on that shot. And it, if you want to throw statistics in there, you know, because everybody has – analytics in every sport now um people think it's big in soccer but it's been around for years in american sports which yeah. is what many you know this dave but many yeah, english I mean, people
3: have no so- clue soccer is, is still five years behind in terms yeah. of analytics i mean you look at baseball is just crazy in terms of an- analytics and oh my god s- same yeah. with the nba things like pr and stuff like they're just cutting edge and, and they really they give you a much better view and like when you talk about People talk about shooting percentage, and now there's true shooting percentage, which really gives you a much clearer view on things. I, I just think that um, the MB- the NBA and and the uh, the MLB they're just the, the two that are pushing the boundaries. Um, and the great thing is, a lot of this is from journalists and analysts for ESPN and Fox who ever started mm-hmm. off, and then they end up in the front office working for some of the franchise. And I think I think that's really good and really positive that there's. Um, there is franchises willing to go out and pluck those guys. I mean, John Hollinger created P. Or and he works for the Grizzlies now. You know, and it's just great. Yeah, yeah, these guys getting rewarded for fantastic
1: work. That's it's not just on paper. it's, It's actual real life. This stuff is shown that it works. So back to Josh Jackson. Yeah, he's a really he's got everything. The one thing he just he can't shoot. His shot looks like it looks like shit. But the biggest what a lot of analytics guys say is your free throw percentage. That should be your key to whether you'll be a consistent shooter. And that's the one thing that scared me about him, but him going to the Suns at four is a great pick for them because you put him with Booker and a lot of the other young talent they have is a
3: fantastic okay. pick. That's a lovely core. They have there now with him, Booker, Marquise, Chris, they took last year and dragon Bender They took last year. So they've got four yeah. potentially like Devin Booker is already an elite talent in the league. Um, but now they have these three other guys to develop with them, and it looks like they might hang on to Eric Bledsoe. So that's the veteran point guard. That, that's all of a sudden a fun team. Now, they're not going to win a whole lot of games because you're not going to win games with rookies and, and, and sophomores. But uh, that's a, that'll be a fun team. It'll be a good league pass team to watch.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're right, they're not going to win a lot right away. Um, just like my Sixers, they're not going to win a lot right away, yeah. but they are going to be fun to watch. Um And the one other pick I wanted to point out, which and and this is people wonder why the Warriors are ahead of everybody else and how they they call people call it getting lucky. It's not getting lucky. They picked a player who I love in Jordan Bell really late in the second round, and that is why the Warriors win championships because of picks like that. They get him for basically just cash. Yeah, they They bought the pick. They bought the pick, and they pick a guy who will slot into their team perfectly. Um, that's why they win championships. Another pick I really liked. A lot of people love the Kings draft. I liked it. I didn't love it. I don't know why you trade from ten to get fifteen and twenty when it's basically an eleven-player draft. That's yeah. a bit weird to me. A, a bit of a weird
3: one, but I think I think they're just so desperate to have anybody with some kind of talent on that team because, like, yeah, if, probably if, if you can point out a worse run franchise. In all of American sports. I mean, there might be one or two. We might talk about one uh, I want to talk about in a minute. Right but, but I mean, they've they been so poorly run. And I think, I, I just think they're, you know, they've got a really good coach there. And I think the idea of giving him these young guys and just seeing what he can do is kind of, it's to be admired. But I agree with you. Like, I would have kept Zach Collins. The problem they had is that they have about 15 centres. So, yes. You know you've got Scal, you've got uh, Willie Coley, Sign, and all these other guys. Like Collins was a bit of an awkward fit, but Malik Monk would have made sense there. But of course they got Buddy Healed in mm-hmm. the trade for Buggy, so it's a bit of an awkward fit as well.
1: Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. So the draft, we'll talk. You you had your least favorite. My favorite was, and again, it sounds like a homer, but I love the Sixers draft. Um, I didn't like what the Celtics did. I am a massive Duke basketball fan. And they took Jason Tatum, who is a Duke player, and I just don't know if he's going to be a fit for them. But, again, we'll come to that later, and he may not matter in the long run anyway. Um, But the New York Knicks – so here's the story behind New York Knicks. Today, recently, um, they fired Phil Jackson, who was basically running their whole basketball operations. Now. To the ground. Yeah, into the ground. And their owner, James Dolan, is a complete moron and impossible to work with. So who are we, who are we to blame? It's difficult. But Phil Jackson certainly didn't help his case. So the Knickerbockers, in true New York Knickerbockers fashion, and yes, Justin Wells, I know you're going to listen to this podcast, so I'm calling you out. You let a guy you fired six days later draft all of your players. Now, if that's not... Negligence. I'm not sure what is. So Phil Jackson is notorious and has invented an off- offense that won many championships, him and Tex Winter. It's called a triangle. So when he drafts, he has that in mind. So why would you let a guy draft all your draft picks
3: and then fire him six days later, Dave? Why, why would you do that? It's crazy to me, but you know what's even crazier is. There's a real chance he could have traded away Porzingis. In mm. the lead up to this draft, he was, you know, asking for certain picks from Boston and offering Porzingis around. And Porzingis is one of the maybe five or six best young players in the league. He's an incredible talent, and Jackson seemed prepared to let him go. Uh, and I, for, I just don't understand it. Like you could, you could have got rid of him. So now you're back to square one because it looks like they're going to buy out Mello, and then you draft this point guard. Now, I'll be honest; I haven't seen him play. I've read the scouting reports. I've seen the scouting videos on Draft Express, and he looks like a guy with some talent. But he's a kid. Yes. He's yes. Not going to and, have he, and the, franchise. He's, and the and thing he's for he's is, yeah, that's it. It's there's going to be a settling in period. Now, the one thing he may have in his favour. If Joaquin Noah sticks around in New York, and it looks like he will because nobody wants that contract. If Noah sticks around, Noah will be able to take him under his wing. Noah obviously plays for the French national team, speaks the language, can help him get acclimatized to New York. Noah's from New York as well, so he can show him around and help him in that way. So that might help going forward. But again, it's come out that he's hurt his knee today. Frank, I N- I don't even know how to say his name, Nitilkina. Um, he's heard his foot. Uh, yeah, Teal'cina. Yeah. So I think the end silent. Go ahead. <laughs> ah, okay. So, but like for me, if I'm picking at that spot and I'm not picking for the triangle, I just take Dennis Smith Jr.
1: Because me too.
3: For me, you're getting potentially the next Dame Lillard, and yes, yeah, you really are. With a huge ego, he is going to want to go into New York and become a superstar. Which, if you're good in New York, you're going to get overhyped. You're going to become a superstar. If like Always. Jeremy Lin was the biggest superstar in the NBA for about two weeks, um, <laughs> even though you know he, it wasn't like he was doing things we'd never seen before. It was just that he was in New York doing these things, and obviously, he, you know, the first Asian player or first Chinese player, whatever it was, to to do these things. But um, for me, I, I think Dennis Smith was the pick for them. But you know, I hope this kid is good. I hope he's good. I hope he does really well. I'd like to. I'd like to see the Knicks be competitive. Um, I think it's good for the NBA when, you know, the the big old old school franchises, your 76ers, the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks. Yes. I think it's good when they when they're doing well because we had a few years where they were, the top four, the, the the top you know picks in the draft they had. They were, I think, a couple of years they they both all four of them were in the top six in the draft. So mm-hmm. for me, it's good when these teams are are good. It. it Definitely brings more eyes to the NBA, um, which in turn, you know, drives revenue, which in turn means the players get paid more, which in turn means the players are happier and they play better. So um, I hope he does well, but I don't like the fit if he's not going to be playing the triangle, because I'm not sure how he'll fit in the NBA. But I don't know, maybe he maybe he can play off the ball a bit more as well but for me like not not taking Dennis Smith there was very very silly and the funniest part of it, of it is is Dallas apparently hired this kid's coach to coach their D league team so they were yeah. all in on taking this guy no question yeah you know so so maybe there's a chance they can there's a trade to be made there now maybe there is a chance that they can do a trade i think Dallas got the better player but maybe a coach like Rick Carlisle would prefer this guy who might take direction a little bit better. Dennis Smith is going to do what he wants to do. This kid might take direction from Carlisle who likes to call the plays.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, like you said, I Dennis Smith's the pick there, Malik Monk in New York. Um, I mean, you, Donovan Mitchell, who's a player I really liked. Even a Zach Collins, if you want, because Porzingis is not necessarily a post-up guy. That would have yeah. worked.
3: And you want that So, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. And that's, that's, as you know, in basketball, you have that. It opens up a lot of your offense and it covers for a lot of weaknesses on your offense. So they better hope this kid ends up being fantastic or it's another wasted draft. But as you said, it is good for the biggest franchises to be better. It does bring more eyes to the game, but I want to talk about a specific trade, which I had to triple check it when I saw it first come down and it happens to be with your favorite team, the Minnesota Wolves. And you can exp- I know how you're a Wolves fan, but if you want to explain people after we talk about the Jimmy Butler trade, why you're a Wolves fan, by all means. But the Wolves absolutely, I, I don't care how you look at this deal. If you're a Chicago fan, you could be the biggest Chicago apologist ever. They got fleeced. Yeah. Absolutely. Jimmy Butler is a top 15 player in the NBA, in my opinion. He is a fantastic player, and now he is on a Wolves team with, a, I would say, a big three. Carl Anthony Towns is an absolute stud. Andrew Wiggins is a very good player. He's not at Cat's level yet. Cat, as I mean Cat, is Carl Anthony Towns, just so I'm not losing anybody here. But to get him for Zach Levine, who is, well, first of all, he tore his knee up, tore his ACL, so he's coming off of that. But for me, he's an okay player, nothing more than that. Maybe he becomes more than that, but he kind of relies on a lot of athleticism, and that will only get you by in the NBA for a long time. Um They swapped draft picks, which is just, it's insanity. And Chris Dunn, who I loved last year, I remember you and I had a conversation on Twitter. I wanted the Sixers to get him. Now, he may end up being a good player. But he's not, he was right ty- he is not right now, and he was horrendous. And he's 23 years old, guys, just yeah. so I let you know. Most of these kids come in 18, 19, and you, you yeah, think, oh, it's only a few years. years college, so. Yes, yes, he did. And for people who don't know the NBA, that is a massive difference. Mm. Um, you're in the NBA. You're either good right away or you're building on a game. He was terrible. So, Dave, you being a Wolves fan, I, I don't know how you could hate this trade. Talk to me.
3: Ah, uh, th- this is uh, this is a heist. This is robbery. We like Tom Thibodeau should face charges for what he's done here. Um, <clears throat> I like Zach Levine. I think he, he's a really good shooter. Let's be clear, he's a really good shooter, and he's got insane athleticism. Now he's coming off a torn ACL, so that athleticism is going to take a bit of time to get back. He is one of the worst defensive players you will ever see in your entire life, Joe. He is appalling defensively. And he's going into the last year of his contract, which means they're going to have to either pay him a whole bunch of money next year or they could lose him for nothing. And do you really want to pay a guy a year off an ACL tear when he's, he's probably only get, going to get back in like October, November. So you're not, you're not even getting the full year out of it. Um, he's a good player, but at best, he's a sixth man, in my opinion. Chris, I Dunn, agree is, with that. Chris Dunn is a great defensive player. He is hopeless offensively. Um, I think potentially those two as, you know, your second string backcourt is, is not bad because Levine can be your lead ball handler done. At the end of the year, he showed a little bit of potential as a spot up shooter, guy who could play off the ball, you know, make some cuts, things like that. But I, I, given his age, Given the deficiencies and given the fact that he has a history of shoulder problems, I'm not sure he ever becomes, you know, worthy of the pick the Wolves used to get him in the draft. What he could become in time, if he works really hard at his shot, is like a Patrick Beverley type, and that's fine. I love Patrick Beverley, but Me too. I want more than Patrick Beverley and Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler. When I saw this trade, and as soon as this trade went through, I I saw uh, Wodge with the Wodge bomb, and I'm jumping around the apartment and screaming at my missus, <laughs> who, was, who, who has no idea who Jimmy Butler is. And I'm like, "We got Jimmy Butler," and she's just looking at me like you're an idiot. Sit down. And then everybody starts DMing me like, and um, Matt Tierney, who works for the for the Raptors messaged me, and he's like, oh, you got him? I was like, yeah, yeah, we stole him. And then he's like, you're after getting a pick back as well, because I I missed the pick. I thought we'd given up the two players and the seventh pick, and I was absolutely delighted with that. I thought even that was a heist. To then get the 16th pick back... It's insane. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know if before Woj left, or before uh, Tibbs left Chicago, he got, like, some compromising information (laughs) on Gar foreman and john paxton but like those two they're awful at what they do those two need to be fired they're terrible at what they do um they got absolutely fleeced now look i i like i say i i like zach levine i like chris dunn in a specific role i like the kid they got out of arizona i think he's like you know a a poor man's Porzingis. He can shoot threes, but he can't de- he can't play defense, uh, and he can't yeah. rebound. And he's seven one, and he can't rebound, which, yeah, is, which oh, is just a-, a concern. Like you know, yeah, <laughs> and- Laurie, Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, I just, yeah. I- I- and he's like, but he's a good player, and I think he's going to develop into a decent passer. And there's a chance that they can teach him how to rebound. You know, just get your get your body in the way, learn how to box out. And, you know, you're a big enough guy. Put on some weight. Maybe down the line, he can average, you know. Eight rebounds a game, which isn't great, but it's it's better than the five he's probably going to give them now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it's, but if we would given up those three to get Jimmy Butler, I mean that's that's a win all day. Every team in the league does that. then get back the 16th pick, and like you said, it, it was it was an 11-player draft, but there was still good value in the middle of the draft. There's some good players there, I think, who are who are really going to have solid careers in the NBA. And I think the Wolves got an an ideal fit because Justin Patton has similarities to his game to Carl Anthony Towns. And if he can develop into a guy who can give us 12 to 14 minutes off the bench doing, you know, a cat light impression, that's a win. That's a win all day. Anyone's taking that because it means we don't have to burn out Towns, you know, because this is a a special, special talent that the Wolves have. And, And like you said, you're bringing in a top 15 player in Butler. I think over the next year, Towns is going to take a jump into that top 15 to 20 range as well. I already think he's one of the three or four best centers in the league. And uh, and the big winner here is Andrew Wiggins, though. Yes, the big yes, winner it is. here. Wait, number one, he doesn't have to play small forward anymore. He can he can slide back to the, to the shooting guard spot that he played a lot of at last season when when Levine got hurt. He looks much more comfortable. Um, he's bigger than most of the shooting guards, so he's got a size advantage, he's got a quickness advantage over pretty much everybody, he's got an athleticism advantage over pretty much everybody. He's a, an elite scorer, t- potential to, you know, to rise and rise and maybe become a 30 point a night scorer in the league. Um, it, but defensively as well, now he's not having to guard the opposition's best wing player. Butler will take that assignment. Butler's also going to just kick Wiggins in the backside and make him defend because Wiggins has the talent and the you know the skill set to defend really well. The issue is effort. And yeah. I think Butler won't allow... Jimmy Butler will not allow players to not work their asses off. He's going to kick Towns in the ass as well. And I think we're going to see a massive step forward from both of them next year defensively. But Wiggins should should take off. He needs to work on his shooting as well. We've obviously seen an uptick last year, but if if he can develop the even the corner tree, go and stand in the corner, let Butler run a pick and roll with Towns and find you, open shot every single time because they're going to have to double team on the pick and roll because you can't nobody stop not, not nobody but there's very few that's going to stop Jimmy Butler one on one when Towns is in the post, there's very few that can stop him one on one. Again, there'll be a double team. Towns is a pretty good passer. If Wiggins is in the corner, that three is going to be open all day. If he can nail them at about a 42% clip, that will be really good. And all of a sudden, it will space the floor better for us as well. We're going to have some issues with our fit um, because like Rubio's not a great shooter. Jeng doesn't have great range. But I think there's a trade coming with Rubio. I think we're going to choose. Yeah, me too. You know, like, I think it makes sense. I, there was a rumored trade where he would go to Utah Boris Diaz contract would go to uh, Houston, and then he he get uh, re- released because it's non guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Beverly would come to the Wolves, and I really like that idea because I think you put Beverly <coughs> with Wiggins and Butler, great y- defensive player. Yeah, and and a great spot up shooter, and he doesn't need yeah. all. Like yep. the the one I like is George Hill. I think he's a really good fit. I think he might want too much money though. Like if he's looking for kind of twenty million, I think that's just a little too much for George Hill, even with the new cap, you know, salary cap where it is. Yeah, um, it went down actually. So it did. It went down from last year, but like I mean, it's still what thirty million higher than it was the year before that. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think twenty million for George Hill is too much. If he would take fifteen, that'd be great, and he'd be a great fit with Wiggins and Butler, because uh, he can play off the ball. He's a decent shooter. He's a leader. You know, great defender. Um. Mm-hmm. That would have worked. I and mean, we need we need a stretch four. That's going to be a big thing. If Boston need to free up space... I mean, I was throwing this idea around on Twitter, talking to a few people yesterday, and I was saying, well, look, Boston are probably going to send Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder to to Indiana if, they, if they're going for Paul George. It, yeah, would it looks sense. like they are. Yeah, and it would make sense for us to offer Indy Ricky Rubio, because I think Ricky Rubio and Avery Bradley is a good backcourt. Good defensively, Bradley's shown great improvement as a shooter. Rubio show, showed improvement as a shooter last year. Um, I think those two together is something you can really really work forward with. It's not going to be an elite backcourt, but it's certainly good enough to get you in the playoffs. Um, oh, no question. It's a lot better than a lot of the teams in the NBA. Yeah, you know, so like, I was like, that, that I don't works. And then we take Jay Crowder, and all of a sudden we've got, say we've got George Hill, you've got George Hill, Wiggins, Butler, Crowder, Towns. All of a sudden we're laughing. And we've got still got some cap space to fill out the bench.
1: Yeah, and that's a, I mean, there's there's just no downside to this trade. So, but you you put a nice segue for me there in a Paul George. So, when I first brought up the the agenda for this pod, I said to Dave, I said, "What what is Boston doing? Why are they giving my Sixers basically giving away Markel Fultz for one draft pick? He's worth more than that." Blah blah blah. Well, it appears that they are trying to get Paul George. Um and they are trying to get Gordon Hayward, who is a Utah Jazz player, and is a, is a good player, is a guy like, I wouldn't call him elite, but if you add him with Paul George, Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas, that's a good team. Um But my only thing is, see, Boston's kind of caught in between here. They have a lot of assets, right? And assets can be good and they can be bad. As you and I know, and maybe other people don't, but the NBA draft is a massive crapshoot. Yeah. There may there's sometimes only one player that ends up literally one player in all them picks that ends up being worth a franchise guy. So you can look at assets two ways. Some teams really, really value them high and they're like, okay, well I'll take your 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 top two draft picks and I'll give you Paul George or whatever. And other teams go, Well, fuck, you know, it ain't not it worth that. But see the thing that Paul George did is he came out and said, basically, I'm gonna sign with the Lakers. Yeah. So this puts Boston in a really difficult position. What do you give up? Because Paul George is from um, southern Los Angeles, right where the Lakers play, so it makes sense. And the Lakers are in a position now where they've basically drafted Lonzo Ball. They traded away D'Angelo Russell, who, kid's an idiot. Um, (laughs) I know our our friend on Twitter um, loves him. Uh, I'll just call him Jan because I don't want to mess up your name, Jan. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce your name, man. And I, and I feel bad for that. I don't want to, I know, um, he's a good guy. We, you and I talk to him All late night. To,
3: he's one of the best yeah. NBA, but he's a great yeah. guy. He's a hell of a yeah. guy. I, 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 again, yeah. I don't know the, the yeah. And I don't want uh, to, yeah, man.
1: exactly. And, and I, I apologize for butchering your name. And he's a giant Lakers fan. And I told him when they drafted him, I didn't, I just did something doesn't sit well with me. And he's now in Brooklyn. And there's a reason for that. The kid's a knucklehead. He just doesn't seem like he gets it. Um, you know, he ratted on a player before. And he, just certain things in a locker room that needs to stay in a locker room. And frankly, the kid's not a two in the NBA. Um, but not to get off track. We were talking Paul George. So if they end up getting him, and Danny Ainge, for as much as I hate Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is the general manager of the Celtics. I, I despise him with every cell in my body. I hate the Boston Celtics. I'm a Sixers fan. It's in us to hate the Knicks and the Celtics and the Lakers. But the one thing Danny Ainge is very good at is trading. He's not the greatest drafter. I think that's a misconception. Mm. But he is very, very, very good at trades. So if he trades for Paul George and he gets Gordon Hayward as a free agent, Dave, do they challenge in the East? Are they – Assuming that Cleveland doesn't – we don't know what Cleveland's doing. We know they've already tried to grab Paul George, but it didn't seem that it's going to work because there's so many numbers and the cap space isn't going to work. But if Boston ends up with Paul George and Gordon Hayward on their team, are they your number one seed and your finals
3: appearance out of the East? Because there's two conferences people. They'd be my number one seed in the East, but that's mainly because Cleveland don't care about the regular season. Yeah, Le- LeBron is coasting to the playoffs Kyrie mm-hmm. is coasting to the playoffs they've got their ring now, they've proven they're great they don't need to worry about the ring they could be the 8th seed, they're still getting to the finals in my opinion now, what this would do is I think they could go to maybe 6 games with Cleveland. Cleveland maybe 7, but I don't think it puts them over the hill, I still think they're a player short, even with that you know, big 4 of of Isaiah Hayward, George, and Horford, I still think they're one short. Now, they will have good bench options. Jason Tatum they took this year, Marcus Smart, um, Jalen Brown. There's three good young players, three yes. very good young players on their night. And they've got a ton of assets because they've got Brooklyn's pet pick next year, which is unprotected, Billy King, you are an idiot. The, uh, worst, one the, of worst, the worst GM in history, like yeah. not even close. This guy is a fool. Um, and he's a he's a Duke graduate. Go figure. Yeah, you know the Harvard of the of the South. Um, yes. <laughs> um, they've got that pick. They've obviously got e- either the Lakers pick next year if it falls two to five, which I think it might because I don't know the Lakers are going to be much good next year. But so they've, no, they're... they've got those two picks as well. So they could potentially end up with number one and number two in next year's draft, which. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Porter Junior seems to be the guy that's going to be number one. Uh, you know, in a lot of a lot of them. the early early mock drafts, yes. And there's the European kid Diocich, I think is his name. Yeah, Luca. Luca Diochic. The problem with him is he plays either, he plays the two, and you bring in Gordon Hayward and Paul George. If you want to keep them, one of them's playing the two, one's playing the three. But the biggest problem is Isaiah. That's right. Isaiah is a ball dominant guard, and both Hayward and George are coming from situations where they've been the main ball handler. And I don't think they're going to be a great fit with Isaiah because Isaiah is not a good passer. He's a great scorer. I think no defense at all. No, defense can't can't defend at all. In an ideal world, Isaiah is your sixth man. The problem is next year he's a free agent. And he's not I was just going to ask mother. you that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. And that's
1: the other thing that Boston, it's the conundrum of the Celtics. And I'm, I'm glad it's not mine. But do
3: you max out Isaiah Thomas? Because no. I don't. No, I don't either. I, I don't consider it. What I do, Joe, and I'm going to throw this at you and just get your view on it. I take Isaiah. I take maybe that Lakers pick that you got from from your team. Yes, Sixers, yes. The Sixers. Maybe their own pick next year and, I don't know, throw in something to bump it out. Maybe you have to, maybe you have to throw in Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum. And if John Wall makes it known at any point next year that he's not happy in Washington, you go and you blow their doors off with an offer. Because I think if you roll out John Wall... Gordon Hayward, Paul George, Al Horford, and one or the other of Jason Tatum, or Jalen Brown as your stretchy movie four, who can... If it's Jalen Brown, he's a bit more of a... Maybe a Draymond Green type, more defensive player who can handle the ball. If it's Tatum, he's more of a mellow type scorer. I think that team could get to the finals. So if I'm, well, uh, or, or or the other option is if Anthony Davis makes it, no, he wants it out, out of New Orleans. That's the big one. That's that, that for me that's, is what they do.
1: That's that is what Anthony Davis for people who are new to this um, NBA game is. A uh, I, he's a freak and he's, he's the best center in the league, in my opinion. Um, I love Joel Embiid. He's only played 31 games. I love Karl Anthony Towns, but I don't think he's as good as Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is what Dave just said. He is a freak. The guy is massive and he can do anything on a basketball court. Now if that if they can get him, because remember, like we're talking about Boston has assets. I would do it in a second. Now the John Wall trade is interesting because two reasons. If I'm the wizards, where are you going anyway? That's what you got to ask yourself. You have they're Bradley. In por- Be- they're in purgatory. They are. And that's that's what that's what my team was in for years. Mm. And here's the problem with the NBA. The NBA has a setup because of the salary cap is that if you are in purgatory, you either stay there for many years, you get completely lucky in the draft, which you probably have better odds of getting hit by lightning or you start over. And my team did a thing. we It was trust the process. We tanked for years upon years, and we got 15 killed.
3: 15 years or so, was it? Well, well, the, well the,
1: the thing was, it wasn't 15 years. We were bad since 01 in Iverson. That was bad GMing, which yeah. just so happened. One of those bad GMs who we had was, take a guess, Billy King. Yeah. Um, but we've had Ed Stefanski and some really other garbage ones too. But you see what that did for us. It's not going to make us champions next year. The whole point of it is to make it in two years when LeBron starts to slow down, when your players like that start to slow down and they go, okay, now the the the, the big part in this is does Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and whatever else they add to it because we have ample cap space. Um, for people that don't know, cap space is when you sign a free agent, you have to be under the cap at a certain dollar. So you can't just spend all whatever the fuck you want like you can in soccer – There are no man cities. There are no Chelsea's. There are no, you pick the team. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, so with the Sixers, if we rise up to that, that's the goal. Now, if we don't and we don't win championships, okay, you're, it it didn't fully work, but you're still not in purgatory like Dave's talking about. So if that trade we're talking, you brought up is actually good for the Wizards. I would take it because they're not going anywhere. John Wall is a fantastic fit in Boston with those players because he's a great passer and John Wall with a basketball is so fast a- and you can't appreciate it on TV. You got to see it in person. And I don't know if you've ever seen John Wall in person, Dave. I have, um, I've been to Wizards, Washington Wizards games are very close to my house and I've been to a Sixers game. The man with a basketball in his hand, he's unguardable. Yeah. Like and Isaiah and he plays defense. He's long. He's athletic. He's passionate. He's not hate
3: as well. Him. He is a big time leader. That's what I like about him. I he mean, played for Calipari in college. He played at Kentucky. He's the one guy that's managed to keep Boogie Cousins under wraps. Yes. Because you didn't hear about all this nonsense with Boogie when he was with John Walling at Kentucky. And no, there's it been didn't. a lot of talk since Boogie came into the league and started causing problems that someone would try and work a trade to get Boogie to Washington. Because there you could maximize his talent. And I agree. Like, I love their pieces. I love them individually. I I love Bradley Beale. If he can stay Me healthy, too. I think he's a fantastic shooting guard. I love John Wall, obviously. Um, I really like Otto Porter. But the If he stays. Yeah. He, they're going to have to give him huge money this year. That's right. what the huge contract they gave Beal last year. So, and you just can't do that. No. It I, I mean, you, obviously, obviously, for those that don't know, you can go over the cap to pay your own free agents. Like, if your own players... You can keep them. Uh, it's called the Larry Bird rule. Yes. You can break the cap to go over um, to keep your own guys. But all of a sudden, you could end up in a situation where they're committed to the guts of almost $85 million to three players. Only one of whom is actually an all-star because Beal Beale is all-star talent, but you know he, he hasn't stayed healthy enough. Otto Porter, like I said, I like him, but I mean, what is he? He's about the eighth or ninth best small forward in the league. If yeah. even if even that, if, if even that, yeah. A- and you're going to pay him huge money. Um, you've got Marcin Gortat. I think he's up next year for an extension. Um, yeah, an average player, but he'll yeah. get big money. That's the thing. Exactly, because because he's you know he fits the system. He's a good diver to the rim in, in the pick and roll, and like. All of a sudden, you don't have any cap space, so you're stuck with that team. And you end up in the same situation as, say, the Atlanta Hawks were back when they had Josh Smith, um, Al Horford, Joe Johnson, and that group. And they were a good team. I mean, they were a good team. They yes, were they always were. You know, between the three and the sixth seed in the East, but that was their ceiling. And they were, they were second round and out every year, if they even got to the second round. So they had to break it up and start over. And then, of course, they end up in the same situation where they've got Horford, Millsap, um, Kyle Corver, uh, Jeff Teague. And that's that was a good team. They won 60 games one year. They were the number one seed mm-hmm. in the East. They get bounced out of the playoffs. And they can't get better because they're maxed out cap-wise on this group. And, you know, if you're not in a position where you're making at least the conference finals... And I mean the other team we will we'll talk about a few minutes that was in pur- purgatory has been the Clippers. Um, if you're not making the conference finals, you're not really doing anything. You might you might as well be doing what what your team and my team have been doing for the last few years. which is just tanking to yes. get those best young players to develop them, and you know add vet- veterans around them. That's what we've done with Butler, and we'll continue to do now in, in free agency. That's what your guys will do in free agency. Yep. Um, I'm sure. Brian Colangelo will be uh, will be making phone calls as soon as he can, and all of a sudden you're going to end up in a situation where those are two there are two more teams that are going to rise up. You guys are in the East. You're going to pass Washington if if everybody stays healthy. That that will be the question mark with your team. And, big time. Yeah. You know, and next what do Washington find themselves at that? Because I mean, the other team like that are the Raptors. Because they're stuck now too. They're screwed. And I said this last year. I wouldn't yeah, have given Demar Derozan screwed. that contract.
1: No, me either. But, you know, there's, there's, the reason why is he's a he's a very good player. But I'll, I'll ask you this question: Does
3: Demar Derozan
1: is is basically is Demar Derozan on a LeBron James level? No. no, not even close. And he's not even close. Is, is he is he two ticks below LeBron James? He
3: might be four ticks below LeBron James. And, and that, there it is. That's it right there. You know, so that, mean, that, if you're named the elite two guards in the league, yeah, that, how many do you name before you get to him? Because you're starting off with the likes of Clay Thompson, James yes. Harden, Jimmy Butler, um, Bradley Beal. Yeah, he and he, he's a good player. Gordon Hayward, but, if he comes to Boston, will be a shooting guard. He's better than DeMar DeRozan.
1: Be, I'd rather have him than DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is a good player – but he doesn't make anybody on your team better. No. And, and he that's, doesn't show up in the playoffs. No, and and now, now they're going to lose Philadelphia's own um, born and bred, probably going to lose Kyle Lowry, um, and maybe that's better for them because if they gave him a contract, then you might as well I just mean, stop. That's it, they're talking
3: about giving him big money and giving Serge Ibaka big money. That's and awesome. now all of a sudden you've got three guys who are all good players, all, well, at least two of them are all-star caliber players in the East. Now, neither Larry nor DeRozan would make the all-star team in the West. No, um, no. Serge is a good player. They've got Jonas on a fairly sizable contract at centre. Now, there's talk they might try, might try and trade him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're not going anywhere. I know they got to the conference finals last year, but, I mean, let's be honest. Should, should Cleveland only showed up in four games and yeah. wiped the floor with them in all four games. And they were they, they struggled to get there they they struggled against Miami who were fairly poor they struggled against Indy who were awful yeah they're and terrible just like i don't know what these teams are actually doing because you know i i would love to see the, the raptors do well because i i i remember when the raptors came into the league and i'm sure you do as well like they you know and they had they had mighty mouse they had vince yeah. they, got, they got Tracy mcgrady mark but nobody them. Play- None of them wanted to play there. None of them wanted to be here. That's the problem. And I think that's that mentality is still there. It is. I do think now players be much more open to coming here because trust me, there's not many teams in the NBA have have support like the Raptors have. Like I will give them credit for that. Yeah, they're a whole country gets behind them. A whole country gets behind them when it comes playoff time. It's Canada. They're all happy. Yeah, and they're and they don't mind losing. They'll no. be very polite when they lose. But uh, yeah. they found these guys now in DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And, and yes, I'm sure DeRozan could have gone to the Lakers last year, but he was happy to stay here in Toronto. So they were happy to give him the max. Kyle Lowry yeah. could go and have his picket teams, team. So we'd take him in Minnesota, trust me. But oh, yeah, he'll be happy they're... to stay here. They'll give him the max if he stays here. Surge is the same. If he's willing to stay here, they will give him the max. They would have maxed, they would have given Biombo massive money last year if they could have, but they didn't have the cap room. Yeah, and so, he left. And he left, and it's probably a good thing because he hasn't played well for Orlando, but. No, he's been terrible. <laughs> they're, like, they're in a situation now where they don't really have a path. I don't think their coach is particularly good. Um, I, I know Masai Ujiri has this reputation, has been some sort of ninja. I'm not sure he's all that good. I think he's good, but he's not. I don't think he's great. I don't think well, he's, I, he's Danny Ainge or R.C. Buford. No, no, and, and, and know? he's actually – no, he, I agree with you. And he's actually
1: – and I don't know if he'll leave, but he is the New York Knicks' number one choice to be their new GM, mm. which as much as they're in a, a horrendous shape right now, they're still the New York Knicks and they're in New York.
3: which and they're going to pay – Big, big dollars for yes. someone to go and run that franchise. Phil Jackson's getting twelve million a year to do. He was it really getting badly fifty thousand dollars per game, Dave. Yeah, he wasn't that even is, at
1: most of them. No, <laughs> the man was trampled. It's just, it's, it, it, it's appalling. Again, I don't, I don't want to just keep piling all on them, but it, they, like you said, they're up. They might have passed the Sacramento Kings in
3: embarrassing yeah, franchises. Up
1: and, that, and that's saying a lot because Lottie Divac, who who is the general manager of the Kings, has no fucking clue what well, he's look, doing.
3: And the he was only reason, a basketball player. The only bright spot for the Knicks is Christophs Porzingis. And the only, the only reason they got him is because Hinkie did a silly and took Jaleel Okafor because it was Okafor that Phil wanted. Yes. But let me let me I
1: can I can shine light on that. You're right. And we passed on him and it still burns me up to this day, just like it burns me up that Carl Anthony Towns is not on my team because of ping pong balls and Andrew Wiggins. But we will we'll have that conversation for another time. The reason the Sixers passed on Porzingis is because his his agent came out and said he will not work out for you. He wants to play in New York. And Hinky and this is the reason basically why Hinky lost his job. He was not – he was a genius in what he did process-wise. But when it came to social skills, he doesn't have them, and that's why he was fired. So, yeah, you're right. He is the only piece they have on that team, and he's a fantastic piece. And you said – you mentioned it earlier. Had they traded him, you might as well flush the franchise mm-hmm. down the tubes because I don't. it doesn't matter what well, like,
3: you get for him. Here's the thing. Melo has screwed them to the wall as well. Because yes. Phil yeah. stupidly gave him a no-trade clause that he didn't need to give him. But he gave it to him. And now Melo won't waive it. So they can't get anything back for him. Yep. Which means that this guy, who is still a good player, and is still one of the better scorers in the league, and when he's bothered is a very good passer as well. Um they can't move him because he won't go anywhere. So they have to they're gonna to have to buy him out or lose him as a free agent next year. Now if it was me, I'd just keep him because he gives you a better chance to win. However, they may just prefer to try and tank a little bit more next year and get another high draft pick to go up Porzingis and this new French kid and mm-hmm. move forward like that because like Hornacek did a good job in Phoenix for a year but I don't think he's a particularly good coach I don't see them winning more than maybe 25 28 games next year so they'll get a high enough pick Melo could push them into the you know the low 30s maybe and all of a sudden it's the difference between drafting 4th or 5th and drafting ninth, and the difference in player there is substantial enough yeah and we we, we can't we can't say that enough Dave and I because it's people
1: got to realize that again there's sometimes in different drafts there's literally sometimes one difference maker and that's the number one pick yeah. and then all these other guys just kind of the game is so different than college basketball it in my opinion it's the hardest sport to translate from college to the pros um, and i know I I know European people who listen to this don't understand that or may, or if you follow the NBA you clearly do or you follow american sports you do but, you know, Europeans are not used to drafts because football, soccer, is worldwide, and it would be very hard to do a system like that. But let's get to another trade that actually went down today. Chris Paul goes to the Rockets to play with um, James Harden, who is just a – if you don't like James Harden, I don't like you. He's an unreal player, um, can do anything with a basketball. He's not overtly quick. But he has such a herky-jerky motion, and he can shoot like – he's just an incredible player. So he goes there for – I don't want to call them junk because I like Patrick Beverly. Sam Decker was drafted last year. I'm not really sure what you're going to get in him. Um, White guys in the NBA are just always a hit and miss. Um, I am white myself, so I'm not making fun of white people. It's just a fact. Unless you're European, Dirk Nowitzki, you're probably not going to be a great white player because Larry Bird retired a few years back. But it's I I look at this trade and I'm not that upset with it because the Clippers have a big three right now. Well, they they did have a big three of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, who I hate. I don't think he's a good player. I think he's massively overrated. And Deandre Jordan, who I think is massively overrated too. So you look at it from the Clippers and you go, all right, you didn't win anything in the West. You're never going to beat the Spurs or the Warriors, in my opinion. So you move this guy who's 32. He's not young. He wants to play somewhere else, but he was respectful about it. And Chris Paul's all time great in the NBA, and I think Dave would agree with me. Absolutely. But and this and this is and I know another friend of the podcast, Tubbs, Tabesh, who um Australian, uh great guy, big time NBA follower. Didn't even know he was a Clippers fan. Um he was very upset about this. But I will tell you, you're basically gonna have to do what my Sixers did. Because you're in the Western Conference. We talked about what the Wolves did. Here's the funny thing about the Wolves. If the Wolves were in the East, they're probably a two-seed. Yep. But in the, in the West, you play so many hard teams.
3: We'll San Antonio – Maybe be a five-seed if we get lucky. That, and that's it. And
1: we'll that's the it. thing that – and think about that, guys. This is – Dave's a Wolves fan. He's a reasonable Wolves fan. He's not one of those guys who, oh, we got Butler. We're going to be number one. No, 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 no. It's not how it works. The Warriors are the best team in the league. The Spurs are Dave and I love the Spurs. They're a fucking institution. They're, in, they're a machine. They're an institution. Teams out there that are incredibly hard to beat. Now the Clippers were a three, I believe, this past year, but they've been basically just been choking in the playoffs all the time, not exceeding expectations. That's what you get from them. And again, I'm American, so I look at things real black and white. If you don't win, like like second place is first loser to me. A lot of people. Look at things like that. Dave, I think you and I feel the same way about that. But again, yeah, you're you an American. Win, with If you don't win, you're not trying. Exactly. You're an American with a strange, funny accent people have never heard here. But what do you think? What do you think of this trade? Do you think it's horrendous on the Clippers? I mean, of course, Chris Paul and James Hart are going to be good together in Houston. But is that making them any? I mean, maybe they go after Paul George. Maybe they go after Mello if he has a buyout, which again, that's what we just talked about. It's a dicey situation. Mm. How do you feel about this trade?
3: Um, I, I I don't really know. I don't I don't actually think I like it for anybody. Um, what made Houston so much fun last season and what made them successful was James Harden as point guard. Halton yes, the- and now he's not. And now he's not going to be the point guard now. Look, any time you can add Chris Paul to your team, it's going to make you better. It's going to make them very different, but I do think overall it will make them better. Um, they've managed to keep hold of, more or less, all their important players. Lou Williams is a loss. He is. Um, is. a loss, but Beverly wasn't going to be a starter now anyway. They've kept Eric Gordon, who I think is a good player. They've obviously kept Clint Capella, who's a good player. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Decker would have become. He's had some injuries, and he's still a young guy. Um, didn't they give up Montrezl Harrell as well in this? Yes, who uh, we, was a young guy from Louisville who we don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, but I, I think he had potential to be maybe a backup to Capella down the road. Sure. Um, and and they gave up a bunch of crap that they they bought today for money and and second round picks, and it's just cap filler to you know to give to the to the uh, to Clippers. Yeah, basically. But but I I just. I I'm not going to get overly carried away about this. I I I think what it does it flips them. I think they 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 become the number 3 team in the in the west and I think Clippers are probably the number 4 team now and they might even drop lower. They might even drop lower. Yeah. Um I think they will. I it, drop it, below the Wolves. Because it think they're they're the going to that team. Yeah, if the Wolves get get some good peace in free agency, maybe the Wolves can be the fourth seed and get get a home series in the first round of the playoffs. Because um, we know we know Utah are likely to fall off because they could lose Hayward, they could lose yeah. George Hill, so there's going to be some reshuffling there. Um, you know, for the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers are screwed because even even losing Chris Paul, you'd look at that and you think, oh, that's opening up big big salary cap, but it's not mm-hmm. because they've got to keep Blake. Yeah, there's Max Deal. Ah. See, I, I would, I wouldn't do that. I would I say would. goodbye
1: to Blake. I, I just, missed. I think he's a man. I would too. I think he's a massively overrated player. Yeah. And, and again, guys, we're talking max deals. When me and Dave say that, that's the highest salary you can give a guy. Yeah. And you, he's just, he's a dunk artist. He is hurt a lot. He can't always. really create. Yeah, he's always hurt. Always hurt can't, in the playoffs really, as well, which is just yeah. so strange. It's weird. He he can't create his own shot. And you have a guy you've already maxed out, DeAndre Jordan, who is, again, another
3: massively overrated player. DeAndre Jordan dump- is about 12 years past the era of the NBA that would have suited him. If he That's was exactly. around in the mid-2000s, he could have been Ben Wallace. Yeah, or, or, or yeah, or a more athletic Dekembe Matamon. Yeah, but there's no place for that in the NBA now. You know? Exactly. That's why... Detroit gave Andre Drummond that massive contract, and now they would move him in a heartbeat if they could get anything oh, back yeah. for him. Um you know, I think Whiteside and the guys like Whiteside have a bit more value because you know they he can, can step guard, out and hit step out, Yeah, and he can guard the perimeter as well, which, which yes. the bigger guys can't do. Um like for me, I was looking at the Clippers situation a couple of days ago, and I didn't think this was possible. I didn't think there was any chance Chris Paul would leave. And I was saying to myself, the move there is is let let Blake leave. Go and find yourself a three and D wing and a stretch four who can shoot the three and build that team around Chris Paul. All, yeah. And just run pick and roll. Chris Paul, DeAndre Drummond, pick and roll. You've got JJ Redick one side, whoever you bring in the other side is your three point shooters, and just let them gun constantly. Mm. You try and you bring in the likes of Kyle Corver um as a free agent, you know, just guys who can shoot the three. Spread the floor, and all of a sudden, maybe you become a better version of what Stan Van Gundy had in in Orlando a few years back with Dwight, and mm-hmm. what he's had in in Detroit with, with with Drummond. You could become a better version of that, and I think a better version of that still gets you fourth, maybe third seed in the West, uh, just because Chris Paul is so good. But now I don't know what they do, because they've taken on all these contracts, they're gonna to have to just get rid of half of them because they don't have enough roster spots. I still think they need to let um let let Blake go. Where Blake goes now is is a question mark. Um I really hope Minnesota don't do something silly. I don't think uh, they will. I don't think they will. I think Tibbs would hate him. He he doesn't Tom Thibodeau would run his ass out of a gym. Yeah. If you don't defend you won't play for Tom Thibodeau. It's as simple there's as that. There's a chance if if look here, if the if the Knicks can get rid of Mello, then that their Blake Griffin Landon spot is New York. Yeah, because he and and
1: for reasons you said earlier, yeah, for reasons you said earlier about it's New York, you're already in the limelight. Blake Griffin would love that. That's that is probably the perfect fit, and it, it would make sense. And I I do think that Mellow would accept a buyout if he's going to go to – I don't see him going to Cleveland now because he's got to look at his career and go, can they, can these guys win? Because I don't think they can. Is LeBron going to be there? Any that, that's, yeah, and I don't think he is. And I really think – again, this is to Jen. I'm just going to call you Jen because I don't want to butcher your name. I really – Jen, a lot of people do around the league think he's going to be a Laker next year. Um Now, I'm going to get to that question real soon, but – I'm gonna to skip to my end. This is probably gonna be a real quick question. Can anybody beat the Golden State Warriors right now? No. And they're okay. I, I'm gonna say the same thing. Um, for people who don't know, or that Golden State Warriors are just
3: insane. We talked.
1: They're they're just you, they, anything. They're the best counter punching team I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Anything you do to them, they counter punch back and they beat you.
3: You land a nice body shot. They take your head clean off with an uppercut.
1: You and
3: a good job. there coming all the way in with a right hook, just with interest. They are brilliantly coached, brilliantly yeah. run. They've got a group of guys that love playing together, that sacrifice for each other, not just on the court but in terms of the money as well. They've had a lot yeah. of luck. They've had a lot of luck. Steph Curry yeah. felt them in the draft. Troy Thompson felt them. Clay felt them. Steph got hurt early in his career and took a low-ball contract, that's way yeah. below... Like I mean, he's on 11 million a year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Five or six players in the league, maybe even higher is than it? that. Yeah. And, I... You know, they get Kevin Durant. Uh, uh, Andre Iguodala, you know Andre. That guy yeah. is a stud, has been day is. the day one. Was... you, but What a player.
1: That's what it is. You said it right there. He took the words right out of my mouth. He was, He was never supposed to be a number one player. Philadelphia, in our leaner times... Um, even leaner than they are now because we're on the up and up. We've tried to make him a number one to replace Allen Iverson, and that was just a gigantic mistake we because he tried you to
3: make him Michael Jordan when, in actual fact, he's
1: yeah. Scottie Pippen.
3: And yeah, yeah, basically, and he's nowhere even near that
1: talent. No, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he's not the lead dog. He, he and he's probably going to leave the Warriors in free agency.
3: I would love him in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, he would fit I really
3: would well. I would love
1: there. him in Minnesota. But, here, but here's the but here's the key though: Are you gonna will? Are you willing to? Because he's an older guy now. He's got one contract left in him. Are you gonna give him a high salary to play there?
3: Do You know, it for me. The money with him isn't the issue. It's the years. If he take if he take two for thirty seven, thirty eight, I'd do that. If he wanted three, I'm not sure. We've seen the back issues. The back yeah. issues he had, like. People can talk about the Draymond suspension and all that other stuff. The reason Cleveland won the title last year is because Iguodala's back went out, and he yeah, he played t- he couldn't play.
1: He couldn't because his guarding ability. Yeah. He
3: and and I'm gonna make
1: no bones about it. Nobody in the NBA can guard LeBron James, nope. but there are there's certain people who can make it difficult for him, yeah. and it just so happens that Andre Iguodala is one of them. He's yeah. long. He's a physical specimen, and he's smart. Yeah. And he made it. He made it tough on him. But you're right. I think a lot of people blame that on Draymond. Draymond Green's a really good player, but he's a jackass. Yeah. He is. He's, he's a
3: jackass. It's factor in that he's a jackass. When you begin the season, you know he's doing no, do something but, stupid at one point or another. But like, oh, and I t- I take him on my team in a fucking heartbeat. No, by the he's way, he's incredible. Yeah. He, he's incredible. But like, he's, there's yeah. maybe four guys in the league that can that can slow down LeBron. Maybe four. I I would say four. I would say yeah. Iguodala, I would say Draymond Green, Jimmy Butler, and Kawhi Leonard. Cool. I was, that was the big one that
1: I was going to say. He's, Kawhi the, Leonard, he's the best of them all. No question. He's actually my favorite player in the NBA. I want to save that for our second pod. Um, and I'm a Sixers fan. But I, I Kawhi Leonard is just an unreal player. And a guy who was not drafted very highly because he could not shoot mm. And he goes to the Spurs, of course. They give him a shooting coach, and now he's one of the best players in the league. So yeah. let me stick with LeBron James. And I am a LeBron fan. Um, his basketball-wise, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. I love the way he plays. I think he's absolutely dominant, one of the best players to ever play the games. But he is a baby. Um, and I, when I asked the question to you, I'm going to say it. Is LeBron bad for the NBA? And I'm not going to say because of the baby stuff. But is LeBron bad for the NBA because he basically started all this super team bullshit?
3: Um. Yeah, in a couple of ways he is. I mean, you know, I've heard him try and make it. You know, I just, I I love him as a player. I just don't like him as a person. And I've heard him say, "I've ne- oh, I've never played in a super team. Well, yes, you have. You're a liar. Yeah, yes, yeah. you have. You went and created one in Miami. And then he tries and he brings up like the Lakers and the Celtics in the 80s and, and your Sixers in the 80s, and he's bringing up the Rockets and stuff in the 90s. Those teams were put together through, through drafts and trades. Drafts yep. and trades. Not through free agency. Not through three guys getting together in a in a bar in LA a year before. Actually, it was four guys because Mello was in the room as well. And Saying let's hedge it, let's let's all become free agents at one at one time. Let's take less money and go play together somewhere. That that didn't happen before. And if you don't believe me, listen to Jordan, Bird, Magic, Dr. J. They've all said it. Not even just those guys. The likes of Hakeem, ascetic, said it. Ewing has said it. All those great players have said it. They would not have gone to play with their mates. They wanted to beat them. Jordan and Barkley were really close. Jordan loved beating Barkley more than anything in the world. Jordan oh, yeah. and Ewing were really close. You think Jordan doesn't la- laud it over Patrick Ewing that he wiped the floor with him for a decade and a half? Um, you know, it's LeBron created the super team. He can deny it all he wants, but it just goes to show how mentally weak he. I think he's mentally weak personally. So um, do I. I. I think he's a prima donna. He takes criticism so poorly. Oh, it's, and he, it's, it's appalling. It's appalling. Yeah, he
1: and he shows it so his his body language is just so bad for a guy who I mean, he's unstoppable. Yeah. He doesn't have to act this way. No. And like you said, the the, the, the shit he said about yeah, I didn't start the super teams. Yeah, yes you did. You did. You, you got together with you them,
3: know. you called Pat Riley and you made yeah, but you, you know the thing is, for me, Joe, I I don't actually think the super teams are bad for the NBA. Um, what I think is bad for the NBA is LeBron's present in presence in the East, because well, yeah, it all is. All these he, teams now are just planning for the post-LeBron era, and that's what the Sixers, did. Yeah. The Sixers are doing it. Boston are kind of looking at doing it as well. If they if they don't get Paul George this summer, um, or if they get George and then he he shoots back to LA next year. They're going to go back into that rebuild mode, yep. um, and the That's teams exactly. that the teams that are in in for now are the teams we mentioned, the Wizards and the Raptors that don't have a chance of beating LeBron, uh, the Indiana Pacers a couple of years ago that don't actually have a chance of beating them, and you know I I, I people talking about this you know seven straight trips to the finals, the Eastern Conference is pathetic, it's it a is. joke, it and, is a joke, like. It's just, it's awful. If the Spurs were in the East, if the Rockets were in the East, if the Clippers were in the East, all of them would have made at least one finals in the last seven years because they would have found a way to beat LeBron in at least one series. You know, he's a great, great player, but he's had an easy run of it the last seven years. And it tells with his record in finals. I'm sorry, three and five. Yeah, you know, he's lost five times in the finals. Now, the first one we'll take off the table because he was young Stop. and he didn't have mu- he didn't Stop. have much much help. But the last, I mean, you know, losing to Dallas, I'm am sorry, what? That that. Well, see, been, and here's the thing, Dave. Keep
1: in mind that people need to realize that LeBron is the GM of any team that he's yeah. on. So yes. let's not forget that he's putting these teams together. So. I'm going to throw, throw a question out there, and I, I, pr- I probably know your answer, but I'm going to try to word it away that may get a different answer out of you before we get to our last topic. So Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Let's take away, just for shits and giggles, let's take away all the titles, right? We'll take away his titles, take away the bronze titles. Who's the better player between the two of them?
3: Oh, I think LeBron is the more gifted player. I think Jordan's the better player. See, I was hoping for a different answer. I, one of these pods, I'm going to trick your ass up.
1: I would say the exact same thing. I mean, my wife is a gigantic basketball fan, loves Michael Jordan, and I try to explain to her over and over, there are things that LeBron can do that Michael could, could never do. Couldn't even think of doing. Could, not even a question of doing and a lot of people don't understand that. And I'm, guys, whoever's listening to this pod, if it's 5e, I don't care. I'm not saying he's a better player. But just know, LeBron could rebound better, pass better. There are things that he can do better than Michael Jordan. It doesn't mean that he's a better, greatest player in One the world. One thing he world, can't
3: do that Jordan could do is close games. No, he cannot. Michael he Jordan is, after Mariano Rivera, off of the cap, yes. the <laughs> second greatest closer in the history of the world. If the kid yeah, he was on the line. The only man you wanted the ball in the hands of is Michael Jordan. Fifth, there's percent on game winning shots, Joe, over his career. Fifty yeah, that's percent. Ins- that's insanity,
1: and, and and nobody had a bigger competitive streak than Michael Jordan,
3: maybe ever. Michael maybe Jordan I used to drop a hundred grand on a on a round of golf. He would bet his friend yeah. hundred grand in a round of golf. That was how competitive he was. And Yeah, and he didn't no, care. Yeah. And but if he lost, double down next round, and yeah. he would keep going until he won. That's so the kind of guy that's the thing, is. Joe, right? I mean you look at look at Jordan in the finals. Six and zero, never needed a game seven, six time finals MVP. Yeah.
1: LeBron that tells James
3: you right there. lost five. We'll, we'll take away the first one because we'll be real nice about it. He choked against Dallas. D-Wade carried him to the first title from Miami. He was great against the Spurs, the second title from Miami, but the Spurs threw away game six. It should have had that closed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spurs wiped the floor with them the next year. He didn't turn up. Lost 4-1. He was great against the Warriors the first time round. He was great against the Warriors incredible against the Warriors second time round. But like we've said, there's extenuating circumstances, Draymond, suspension, Iguidal's injury. Without them, he doesn't win that title either. We could be looking at a situation where he's like one and six. One and seven which, in finals. Which and, says a lot. Which it does say a lot, and they got the they got wiped off off the floor this time as well in a couple of those games. You know, so like he there's no question he is incredible and he like he won the genetic lottery because he's a freaking nature. he's two sixty five, he's built like a power forward, he's got the handle and vision of a point guard, you know, he's got the, the engine of of a fucking Hummer like the guy just goes and goes and goes and goes. <laughs> and goes. He's incredible. But he doesn't have that closer gene. Now, and that's been said about him. That's not just me saying that. A lot of people have said that. A lot, of, uh, a lot of experts have said that. But when, sure. he, when he had D-Wade, D-Wade has that gene. Yes, he does. He. It,
1: it's We like to call it in these parts, we call them killers. Yeah. Kyrie that's what we call it.
3: Kyrie is a killer. Yes, he is. And that's yes, fine. He is. So you put LeBron with one of those, that's fine. He can win titles. He's proven that before because he can elevate guys. But that that's what separates him from Jordan as individuals. LeBron is prop is maybe a better team basketball player than Jordan, but Jordan's the better player. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I've heard people say that LeBron is going to go to the Lakers and Paul George is going to go to the Lakers. Well, neither of them are closers because Paul George is like zero and sixteen in game winning shots and he never hit one. No, he hasn't. So hit who's one. the closer there? You know. Well, and they.
1: You know, and they drafted Lonzo Ball, who, you know, we got to see how he works out. And I mean, he's I, a skeptical. dominant guard, and that's 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 the big problem there. And I'm skeptical
3: about Lonzo Ball's it's shot. Here's what I think is going to happen, Joe. We we were just talking about the Clippers. I, yeah. The Clippers are smart. What they do is they wave goodbye to Blake. It'll be tough, but wave goodbye to JJ. I think he'll have a lot of suitors in the league. Be a lot of guys looking for someone like him. Yeah, I know the Sixers want them bad. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Perfect in the Sixers. Yes, it would. You get rid of all the other crap that you've got. You fire Austin Rivers to the moon. You fire (laughs) Doc Rivers. And next summer, I think DeAndre Jordan has an opt-out. You encourage him to opt-out and go away. Or if he doesn't, you trade him away for anything you can get back. And you open up all your cap space. And the Clippers go and get LeBron James. And you say to LeBron, now, Mr. James, who would you like to be your general manager? Oh, you'd like David Griffin. Well, David Griffin is available because he's probably not going to take a job this summer. So probably not. Comes in. Now, Mr. James, who would you like to be your coach? Oh, you'd like this guy. Well, we'll go and we'll get him for you. Here's your coach. Now, who would you like to play with, Mr. James? Here's the list of free agents. Here's the here's a list of you know guys we're happy to trade all our first-round picks the next 40 years for. Because, make no mistake, when he leaves Cleveland, they're They're falling apart. Oh, everybody's leaving. Because they've traded away all their assets. They've got nothing left. Uh, Love is going to opt out the first chance he can. Kyrie will opt out the first chance he can. Yep. And Cleveland will be a barren wasteland for the next 25 years, as they would have always been. Without LeBron. If he hadn't been born in Akron and the basketball gods hadn't smiled on them, they'd be a wasteland right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and let's face it. Um, and this, is I, maybe I do mean disrespect to Cleveland, but who the fuck wants to play in Cleveland? There's, n- you know, what the best thing to do when you get to Ohio is, Dave, get on a plane and get the fuck out of there because there's nothing. Go back.
3: Yeah, there's nothing to do. So now, that's not Joe saying that because there's a slight Pennsylvania Ohio rivalry, <laughs> and that wouldn't have anything to do with that, Joe. You wouldn't allow. No, that to come- <laughs> I would never. I would never be biased on. Lot, um, so look, do you know, if if Cleveland. Do bottom out, I mean that they could hit the lottery again. Look look at how fluky they were. They they drafted Kyrie um oh, they got yeah. Tristan Thomson, Thompson in the same draft. Now then they got they got back to back number one picks. They screwed the first one taking Anthony Bennett when they should have taken Ola Depot. Then they get Wiggins the next year. Here's tra- where I think they made the mistake was to trade Wiggins for love. And Kevin. I, I do too. Because I always I thought that if you play Kyrie one, Wiggins two, LeBron three, Tristan Thompson four, and then you've got loads of cap room, and you've got other assets, including future picks and Anthony Bennett, who we didn't realise was appalling at that point, then you can go and you can trade for you know a stretch five or whatever it is that you want, or you play Tristan at the four, at the five, and you go and you get your stretch, your, your stretch four. I just think don't think that trade has worked out for them. I know they won the title. So it did work out for them and Kevin Love played really well. But Kevin Love doesn't want to be there. I don't. No, think he does want to Like I mean they're trying to move him to get Paul George. Yeah. And now he has that
1: albatross of a contract mm-hmm. and and the NBA, the NBA is an ever-changing game, probably more than any sport that I can think of at the top of my head. It literally changes year to year. Yeah, and he's sort of going into that dinosaur category, and I'm not saying he's a terrible player, but there's you know you know what I mean. There's certain players who could fit in certain on certain teams and not others. Like Kevin Love
3: can't play on the Golden State Warriors. No, he can't, he can't play against the Golden State Warriors. Cause he can't that's right. Defense. Can't, that's exactly that's like the, that's if the I'm point. honest, Joe, I do think LeBron's age of winning titles is over. I think Probably. he'll get back to one more finals, and I think that will be it, because I think he'll go to the West then. But I, I think what he might end up doing is he might end up on a team with a 36-year-old Dwayne Wade, a 35-year-old Carmelo Anthony. He'll be 34, and they'll think it's great because they get to play together. The problem is that the guy who would be the second-best player of that group is, is Paul is Chris Paul, who's now made his way to Houston, and he's yeah. not going to go back there because no. in, in a couple of months he can sign a four-year, $150 million contract with Houston. And he's going to do that because... He's 32. He's 32. <laughs> and and he is the president of the Players Association. Yes, he's he is. He's the one who helped negotiate the terms where older players can get these longer, bigger contracts. And he did that in part for himself and LeBron etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so I... I I think I think LeBron has one Finals appearance left. I think he may get swept next year um, because Golden State are going to get better, just because their players are in you know their mid twenties, mid to late twenties, and they're going to have another yeah. year together. So they're going to get better, um, and the Cavs are going to get worse because they don't have anybody outside those three, um, and they can't add anybody without subtracting somebody. That's their cap wise. They've yeah. got a whole bunch of old guys that can play either one end or the other. Yep. They have no assets.
1: No. They have a bunch of Richard Jeffersons on their team. Yeah. And Kyrie, Kevin Love, who, like you said, it's going to be Golden State unless someone drastic injuries happen. And it's going to be the same thing because Kevin Love can't guard anybody. Kyrie can't score 50 points in six straight games. LeBron could but they don't, you know, because he's LeBron James. Steph Curry, I want to do our next pod on guys like him and Allen Iverson, but that's for next pod, so I want to get to the last topic, and it's the MVP race. I know you and I are going to differ here because I'm pretty sure I saw you something tweet months ago, but Russell Westbrook wins the MVP in a landslide um voting-wise, and I I completely agree with it. He's an amazing player on a horrendous team, and he averaged a fucking triple-double, and for people who don't know what a triple-double is it's it's at least 10 points in points, assist, rebounds, blocks, one of those stats. Now, he didn't go 10-10-10. His stats were, I don't have them in front of me, Dave May. They're unbelievable. But I got a feeling that you thought that James Harden should have won it. Yes. Maybe I thought so.
3: I did. So I completely disagree with you, but go ahead. Let me hear you. Here's the thing. I think giving Russell Westbrook, the MVP because he averaged a triple-double as one of the biggest piles of shit I've ever heard in my life. If he'd averaged <laughs> if he'd averaged um, 30 points 10.5 rebounds and, and 8 assists or, or sorry, 10.5 re- assists and 8 rebounds would he have been less deserving? Would he have played worse? No. And the reason he got those rebounds is because his team stepped out of the way and let him take them. Because he, yeah. he was stat-chasing. Um his team won in the mid forties, which for me just isn't acceptable to win the MVP. If you're not winning at least fifty games, I'm sorry, you're not the MVP. Um I don't agree that his team is terrible. I think Ola Depot is a very good player. I think Steven Adams is a very, very good player. Um I think they've got, you know, the likes of Roberson is a good defender. Um I know he didn't have a great year, but they ha- I think they've got talent in that team. Um they brought in Taj Gibson late on, I think he's a good player. I think they're well-coached. I don't think it's a terrible team. For example, I think that the supporting cast he has right now is better than the supporting cast Alan Iverson brought to an NBA Finals in 2001. Agree. And, I, that I would agree with, yes. And so for me, and, and this is the thing, I don't think the West was all that good this year. In a normal year in the West, I might have factored in, Okay, the West was super strong, but it wasn't. There was a lot of very poor teams in the West this year. Like, a lot. Minnesota, Sacramento, New Orleans, uh, the Lakers, uh, Dallas were poor. Like, you know, on and on and on. A lot of really poor teams in the West. And I just just don't think... Like, I don't think the triple-double is a reason to give it to him. His level of play absolutely he was w- worthy of being in the conversation. So so take, o-
1: take away the triple-double, because you, you obviously don't believe that that should be the marker to win no, it. No, because and the
3: triple-double wasn't a thing until everybody started talking about it in the 80s when Magic Johnson was doing it. Despite yeah, what well, Oscar Robertson has done, it it was coined yeah. by the PR guy for the Lakers in the '80s. It was, yeah, it was, and, I, and you're exactly right. It was for Magic Johnson, uh, which
1: is a typical douche Lakers thing to do. Of course,
3: yeah, only only the Lakers. Like Larry Bird was doing it as well. Nobody talked about him. Yeah, he was the white guy. Yeah. Um, well, again, though, all the black players didn't think
1: he could play until he went into their gym, and then he was like, well, exactly. my man, my man could play." He said, so.
3: Dennis Rodman said, if he was if he was black, he'd just be another good player. So Larry lit him up for 56. Uh, Yes. But, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Russell had an incredible year. And I I absolutely believe he was in the conversation. But for me, James Harden, what Mm -hmm. he did with, I believe, a very similar level of talent, possibly even less talent. Like, if you're picking... Say you take Russell Westbrook and James Harden out of it. If you're picking the two best players between the the Thunder and the Rockets, the two best players are Stephen Adams and Victor Oladipo. And then it's kind of a snake after that. One from here, one from here, one from here, one from here. So I I don't think Harden had a talent advantage, but he won 10 more games or close to it. Um, Kawhi Leonard won 60 games. Yeah. He was in the Tony Adams. Or Tony Adams. Tony Parker. The corpse of Manu Ginobili. The corpse of LaMarcus Aldridge. The corpse of Pau Gasol. um, The decomposed corpse of David Lee. (laughs) And. And. Not only. Did Kawhi carry the offensive load. Now not to the extent that Russell. And James did for their teams. But he, he did it to a very high degree. He was also the best defender on the team. Yes. He played a Yo, he, level defense. Yes. So. All year. All never, year. never. Ta- doesn't take nights off. No. And, like, he was back-to-back defensive player of the year before this year. Now, he may have dropped 5 or 10% from the year before because he took on the added load offensively. But, for me, winning 60 games... Doing what Kawhi did. I would have, I would have gone with Kawhi, then James Harden, and then Russ. But, for me it was Kawhi or James. I just didn't think Russ hit the qualifier, which was winning at least 50 games, and getting a home seed. I think you've gotta get a home seed in the playoffs. And then Misby was terrible in the playoffs as well. You know? And, I, I just don't think, like, this is another topic. All I just don't think you're gonna win with Russell Westbrook as your best player. You know, I, I don't Ooh. think you're getting out the first round with Russell Westbrook as your first as your best player. That could be number one conversation for episode two. Well,
1: we will talk about that. And you do bring up valid points. So they're they're actually you're not the classic. Well, because I don't like the player. Because I I no, get that a lot. And I think he's
3: he's amazing to watch. I mean, he's probably the greatest athlete the NBA has ever seen. I mean, oh, yeah. this guy has no cartridge in his knee, and he plays like an express train. Um, and he can he bounces around like a kangaroo. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Do you know, the main reason not to give him the MVP this year would have been that next year he'd have tried to get a quadruple-double.
1: <laughs> he probably would have... He might have achieved it, too. Um, he, and this is the reason I don't give it to Harden. And I actually... I go Russ, Kawhi, Harden. I don't give it to Harden, because... He's playing in a Mike D'Antonio system. And you can say, well, you can't hold that against him, but I am holding it against him because that whole offense, whole team was tailored around him. And as great of a player as he is, and I love James Harden, I I just think that his his stats are a little padded by that offense. Um, Dave knows basketball. Dave knows that Steve Nash syndrome. Yes, that's it. And Mike D'Antonio, um, Mike D'Antoni coached the Phoenix Suns, but um, it is getting late, and we don't want to make this a two-hour pod. We've probably been doing this for an hour and a half. Gags will be mad, but it's our first inaugural show. So for myself, Mr. Hendrick, um, this is NBA Holes, and we will see you with episode two fairly soon. <laughs>